Quack 12 fans, holy crap, this is a big one. This is the big roster review we've all been looking for. Uh, let the let the hate flow through you. Not the, not the truly actually bad hate. Not the, like, throwing water balloons full of piss hate. But just that normal, good rivalry hate that festers inside of you. All right? Just the, the, the schadenfreude kind of hate, if that makes sense. I don't know. I went to U of O. But um, well, first of all, we've got our uh, well, the resident film reviewer of Addicted to Quack, the one and only Hithliday. Hithliday, how are you doing? I'm well. How are you? Oh, I'm not that well, actually. But I don't have COVID, so that's good. Um, I'm I'm doing really good for the next hour and a half or so because holy cow, we got truly, truly, I, I we got to think of a title for this person. Because this is as as close to the Quack 12 podcast as you can get. And yet, we are sworn enemies for the rest of our lives until the day we die. Um, because, that's right, she is a fan of the Washington Huskies. Not just a fan, but, I mean, she knows so much about this damn team. Uh, we're so pleased to talk to her every single time we get the opportunity. Of course, I'm talking about Gaby Lucas. Gaby, not Gabby, on Twitter, by the way. And, uh, and yes, of of, uh, of 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 blah 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 the dog pound everybody, um, which you can find at UW on SBN on Twitter. Gaby, how are you doing? Hi, I was really trying to time that cough that I was holding in <laughs> with when you were were gonna were announcing me, and I thought it was then, and then I just ruined it. Unless you can edit that cough out, in which case everyone listens. Oh no, I loved it. It sounded it very not, skeptical. No. Yeah. yeah, it did sound well, it was, it, it'll, it'll be good. Don't worry. And we don't edit these. We all, we sound this smart just fluidly. We're just this good. There's no mistakes made. Uh, yeah, these are all just off the cuff. Gaby, it's been forever. Um, you just had one hell of a football season. We won't make you really talk about it too much. But I mean, uh, do you want to talk about it for like one minute of, of the 2021 season? Uh, your feelings, what the hell happened? Is it funny to you yet? Or will it be many years down the line until it's oh. funny? Oh, it's funny. Yeah, immediately. Okay, yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 uh, yeah, no, it's hilarious. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> when you lost to Montana, you're like, oh, okay, it's going to be that kind of thing. Yeah, well, then I sort of started like dis- disassociating and I'm like, life <laughs> is much better this way. Yeah, it makes perfect. General, I remember. Like it yeah. really was. I feel like like uh, the like last season was a good exercise and like reminding yourself that like none of this matters and eventually the sun will explode. Mm, so, very good point. So like I don't have to ruin my whole. This is, like I, you guys know how this is with UW fans, Oregon fans, pretty much everybody in the world. That will just like ruin their mental health over a bunch of dudes uh, <laughs> doing a thing. And I'm like, yeah. I could, I could just not. <laughs> Do you think the, the Ducks will could win a national just championship? Not, like, I, I, <laughs> I could just not. And I did just not. Very capable, not staking my complete, all of my mental health on the capabilities of what are essentially children that have just graduated to adulthood (laughs) and you got the softball team yeah well and that's that's the thing is i'm like like heather tar will always have our back she'll she'll always deliver (laughs) (laughs) is it is it confusing that it's gabby not gaby on the in the circle yeah that was five years or 
wait, when she came in 2017, 2018. Yeah. So that was, that was five years of, of, uh, me being like, what? There's no, actually, no, it was just the first like year and a half where I was like, why are you guys? Oh, right. It's, it's there. There's, there's now there's two of us. Um, do you think the Ducks will win a national championship before the sun explodes? That's that's in football or, so- or softball. In football, in football. Oh, the only one I care about, really. <laughs> yeah, and you mean those track, all those track, na- track, track natties I mean, don't mean anything to you? I'm obliged no. to say, I'm tr- the goal of this podcast is to try to get me into track because I certainly should be in it, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's not working so far. You should be I in mean, the golf. Oregon's a golf school now. Oh eh. fuck no! Is it though? Hell no! I, they Oregon- could win. They have won the national champion. I yes. didn't give a shit and they got second place in women's golf yeah you'd have women actually won the national championship like right right before covid or the first year of Mm -hmm. covid um does i really don't know anything about golf all i know is occasionally some UW golfer will like be on pga and actually turn out good and i'm like i don't know how any of this works and i don't really care but that's good for you i'm happy i take credit for this somehow exactly um i'm not um anyways i'm not answering that question well okay because you know thinking in geological or cosmic terms is good for like an existential break, but it's not that useful for our purposes. Yeah. How, why are we, how do we start talking about this? It's the quack 12, baby. Welcome back. Um, that being said, we should, we should get the, back the heat death process. of the universe was a less depressing concept than <laughs> yeah, one Washington football. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't less depressing because it's, it's just not, it's just, it, it, it there's no uh, value judgment on it. It just is. Mm. Yeah, you get to use that as a, as wiping out wiping out everything, you know. Parent dies, whatever. One day the sun will explode. <laughs> I like this. This is good. This is a good episode. I really don't know why they make me talk about sports ever. <laughs> I will well, our on our own uh, podcast, which is the most embarrassing sentence I've ever said. Um, what's the name? You got to plug it now. What is it called? Oh, all we hear is purple. <laughs> <laughs> I am a big believer that the most embarrassing thing you can say in English is I have a podcast. Um, and yeah. and Andrew, our other host, and Colin, our producer, and Max, our site manager, can vouch that every single episode we have ever recorded, other than our interview with Daniel Laurie and Heather Tarr, um, every single time I've tried to get out of recording it. <laughs> <laughs> I love I'm it. I'm like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't feel well. I stub my toe. And they're like, shut up and get on. Well, podcasting is an embarrassing thing to do, so I think you're making the right decision. Uh, We should probably jump right into this roster so we don't have you here all day and you can be philosophizing more about the uh, death of the universe. Um, Hithliday, will you take us through this roster a little bit? That was a hell of a segue. I was just going to go with, you know, speaking of embarrassing situations, the Washington (laughs) quarterback room. Which which I guess I should, just really quickly, I want to get this on the record, too. I I know you don't got a lot of time, but I would I mean... I remember in the coaching cycle when it all of a sudden hit us, I was feeling a little jealous of like, oh, you have got Kalen DeBoer? Because, I mean, I don't know. He did a lot of fun stuff at Fresno State. What are your thoughts on Kalen DeBoer right now? I mean, I know there's a whole lot and there's a whole lot you don't know, but are you excited with the hire? Yeah, I, th- yeah, I think so. I mean, rec- it, there, on, so the, obviously you kind of have to look at it on like the recruiting standpoint and the on-field whatever standpoint. Um, and for judging recruiting at this point, it's like so hard to um, look at it and not consider like all the uncontrolled variables, you know, so to compare like his recruiting now versus 
uh, like Chris Peterson's recruiting in his first year or Jimmy Lakes or, mm-hmm. you know, Sark or whatever. Um, so that is kind of because of all the uncontrolled variables with NIL and blah, blah, blah. And like how different institutions are, you know, at different paces and doing things differently. It's kind of tricky to um, know everything. Um, although the last weekend we got like, we got like eight commits in 72 right. hours, which is fun. Um, including a, a four-star DL um, who was crystal ball to Tamu, which is kind of fun. Um, but other than that, like, I'm going to kind of, I'm putting that kind of on the back burner just in my own brain because of, you know. Yeah, I can't evaluate of, the guy until his first class is over and you can't even really evaluate him on his first class because it's under such weird, exactly. you know, any, anybody's first class is partially somebody else's class. You exactly. Know? And it's like for any, any, any coach. Yeah. So you're getting a four, three, four, five year time period to be able to evaluate the first class, like in its entirety. And then to see like how that affects on-field success which affects recruiting you won't really know how that works for like eight years into it you know obviously you can make plenty of very educated assessments before then but um you know and most people most coaches aren't staying anywhere for that long so really for so many coaches in general like you really don't know as much as you think you do um and that goes for all of us um but setting that aside i think from a culture standpoint, he reminds me kind of uh, of like lowercase, lowercase Chris Peterson. Um, obviously, that's not me saying he's like comparing anybody to Chris Peterson, just like comparing anybody to like peak, peak era Chip Kelly, not Chip Kelly now is like, you know, you obviously can't mean it in that way. Um, but but I think his philosophy and his approach is very similar. Um and I, I, so I think from a culture standpoint, especially given what, like the roller coaster that this program has been since under Lake, you know, for the last two mm-hmm. and a half years, I think that that is such a stabilizing force and is very necessary. Um, and then when you look at like the offensive scheming, um, and granted, I haven't done like super deep dives into Fresno's stuff our coach b from our um from uwdp has done a lot more of that um and i frankly during the off season i've just been like i need a break <laughs> so i <laughs> understand so i haven't been like in in the past i would you know go way more detailed on that um and frankly honestly here today i'm sure you know more you know what you said about watching fresno um about that but but just the fact that we're gonna i mean it's such a low bar offensively uh <laughs> like it really it might be the lowest bar in the world uh, well, actually, I just, never mind i just thought about the state of america that's There's the lowest low bar bars <laughs> um yeah the state the states of america and the states yeah. of american and russian civics are the lowest bar in the world and then right above that was UW football's offense under jimmy lake <laughs> um and uh and so a just like seeing you know uh uh knowing that they're coming at it with a kind of spread that is still based in pro style um so it's not from like straight out of 1992 um is nice and similarly i think um the on the defense like knowing that a the safeties aren't going to be lined up 20 yards 
behind the line of scrimmage. Um, we're not using a one gap system anymore that requires you to have guys like Greg Gaines and Vita Vea who can, or did I say one gap? I meant two gap. We're not using a two gap system that requires you to kind of have those freaks up front and makes it a, and exacerbates our issues at linebacker um, with them. You know, if you have guys who aren't fast or smart enough and then add like, Oh, and you have to predict you, or you have to be able to read these running plays with our two gap defensive linemen in the interior up front in front of you. Oh, and they're not really doing their job well enough. <laughs> like it's just a compounding, you know, there's just a lot of compounding issues that, that, um, you know, moving to having safeties play, I don't want to say more aggressively, but just like more situationally relevant and having, uh, you know, a, a one gap defensive front um, that is far more suited to, you know, the personnel, although, you know, that's just luck, but that's the case for most teams, uh, at least most teams out of the South, when you look at, you know, the, the personnel that are available um, in your, if you're in the West or, or the Midwest to an extent. Um, so yes, to answer your question, I am relatively pleased and we will see if I am right to be so in the future. Yeah. I mean, I, I like the hire. In fact, I was on record on this podcast saying, I hope that Washington doesn't hire Kalen DeBoer. Um, and said that, like, I believe in October of 2021, uh, like before June was even fired. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, right after you guys had the Fresno. The, yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, no, I, I mean, we, we, we talked a lot, you know, we talked with Caleb nail from the, the uh, beware bulldogs uh, podcast and actually did a couple of podcasts with those guys. Um, see, I can embarrass myself too. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I like the coach and, and I take your meaning about like stability, like, uh, you know, one way to react to the offense being so putrid would be to like, you see this with a lot of programs where they just like, let's just go 180 degrees, the opposite yeah, direction exactly. and hire like Lane Kiffin, you know, hire yeah. some like weirdo hot shot, you know, and like, I don't think that would have played at Washington, like not, you know, not with the way that this, you know, roster is constructed, not with what they, those guys really needed in terms of like stability after the roller coaster of Chris Peterson retiring and like everything that came afterwards. Um, like, yeah, you know. I think that's true. Uh, you know, I, and, you know, Kalen DeBoer basically, you know, we'll have to see how it goes at the power five level, but he knows what he's doing. You know, he won yeah. like a million NAIA championships. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And like I yeah. said, I, I like what he, you know, we were, I mean, hell, we were cracking lots of jokes uh, last year about like, imagine what Washington could do if they had Jay Kaner, you know, like, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that guy. Knows Jay, Kaner, to... Jay Kaner and the John Don offense wouldn't look yeah, very right. good either. <laughs> uh, no. Well, who would? Um, <laughs> exactly. So uh, the quarterback room, um, returning uh, the last uh, two years starter, Dylan Morris. Uh, he uh, threw a bunch of interceptions last year. Um, uh, returning Sam Heward, who is the five-star from the 2021 class. Uh, he uh, got put in in the last game and threw a bunch of interceptions too. Uh, losing Patrick O'Brien uh, uh, from Colorado State, the, the Washington hero. Um, and uh, bringing in Michael Penix, the, um, who was at Indiana for three years, including one year under DeBoer when he was at Indiana as the OC in 2019. Uh, did I get everybody? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Other than like, you know, preferred walk-ons. Yeah. I think there's, there's, there's four. Uh, yeah. There's, they're all 2021s, which is the interesting thing, but I, I don't think it's ever going to get that deep. They've got yeah. three. No, probably no, no, yeah. playable. Uh, Jacob Sermon's little brother. I can't, can't get enough sermons. And, and his cousin. And then it, obviously once we talk about the defense, his uh, other cousin who just transferred to California yeah, I don't to get, me like, with his uncle. 
<laughs> more sermons than a church between oregon washington and cal it's just like sir hashtag sermonation um there you go. yeah <laughs> and no, if anybody were yeah. good at football you know there'd be real danger um i know it really is it stinks because it's like you guys are all like good enough to for us to know your name but um not good enough for us to like care about your name i could be reminding the calvert family for what for what it's worth um for what it's worth uh the camden servant his cousin who originally committed to play quarterback in montana and he's from wenatchee and then i think played a senior season because of covid in missoula or whatever um and now is converted into a running back it's a weird, very weird arc um i don't you know i don't think he's gonna play it power five level probably but his uh high school film was actually really fun to watch because he's just mm. like kind of kind of kind of like as a runner kind of reminded me of tim tebow in you know before mm. he became terrible just like kind of a tank and just but also shifty and i just enjoy that kind of thing anyway sorry not to get off topic um so what, what was your was there a specific question about the quarterbacks or just uh, there's three them. quarterbacks in the room right Penix, yes. morris and heward yeah. um I feel like each one of them has got sort of a substantial question mark next to his name, right? Sure. Um, uh, Penix had a 101 passer rating last year. It's sort of like 2019 was his peak, and then it's sort of been getting worse ever since, although he's also been going through all these injuries. So yeah. I'm sort of surprised the guy is still standing. Like, he's hurt yeah. both of his shoulders and tore his right ACL twice. Like, um, uh, they brought him in. Um, they, Like I said, they've got Dylan Morris, who's been the star for the last two years. But I mean, I think if they were happy with him, that wouldn't have happened. Um, and, and then Sam Heward, who, you know, everybody's sort of been waiting on, but, you know, didn't have a great debut. And you're, you know, you're wondering when he's going to arrive. Uh, uh, it's sort of... Uh, I figure that the race goes in order of seniority. It'll, it'll be, you know, Penix, then Morris, then Heward. Uh, do you think I'm wrong about that? Um, yeah, that was definitely it going into spring. And I think from what we know about Heward, um, th there was like a couple little, pretty much little, little, um, adjustments for, for like getting his rhythm in this offense, um, knowing when to kind of, uh, abort your dropbacks. Um, cause there are certain routes in this offense that will be open before, you know, if you're taking a three-step drop, um, there will be a guy, you know, who might be open on the, on the second. You just got to kind of, you know, fling it. Um, especially because he's, he out of high school came out of an air raid, um, that everything was out of shotgun. Um, um, and, and yeah, so pretty much you're right in general. Um, I think the, the Michael Penix question, like you said, it really comes down to like his ability to stay healthy and, but more actually more than that, I don't think it's his ability to stay healthy so much as, his ability to be able to play like he was when he was at peak form or even, you know, a little bit below peak form um, before, you know, his shoulders exploded and his knee exploded. Um, um, for what it's worth, I am putting zero uh, weight into Sam Heward's Apple Cup start. Because, no, sure. Yeah, it's, I mean, <laughs> I've seen, I've seen some people, both, both UW fans, and Oregon fans just for talk of be like talk about Sam Heward as if he's some bust because he played in one game in like the worst circumstances <laughs> possible under the worst coaching staff. Uh, Herbert where, looked pretty bad in his first start. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Probably not quite as bad. Although at that point, I feel like your season wasn't totally 
I think it was yes. against UW was his first. It was. It was because his first throw was an interception to. Peter yes. <laughs> um, I, I was like across the middle, and he threw. Yeah. Um, you perked up so much. At least, and at least, yeah, and at least for him, like at least, sure, your team sucked that year, but like Helfrich, Helf, Helfrich, Helfrich's offense wasn't made from like Rutgers in the 1800s, uh, before the forward pass was invented. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so I think, I mean, for what it's worth, um, I think I think Dylan Morris, I think he he can be a decent, you know, quarterback. Probably not, probably not at a power five level, or if so, like at a lower level school. But I think it's going to take multiple years to unlearn. I mean, he already is at a disadvantage because of his, you know, just physical traits, and then to have I mean, his I being under Jimmy Lake and John Donovan is like just so terrible for the development of that. That I mean, I, I really feel bad for the guy because he took he took you know reasonably he wasn't good last year, but he took so much heat when it's like okay, there's failures on that go so high above him, you know, that sure. from a from a culture and a system and a system standpoint that like that that you know I. I, th- I think even though, you know, coming out or halfway through spring, um, probably until the spring game and still maybe after spring, the order was as, like as a soft order, but it was like Penix, Morris, Heward, kind of, um, although it was relatively even, um, what kind of 1A, 1B, and a 2. Uh, and um, But I, I, I wouldn't be surprised – based on what we saw from Heward in the spring game, which again, spring game, biggest yeah. caveat in the world, but he looked like a lot of the things that we had heard from the spring practices themselves that he, he, we didn't really see those issues in the spring game. And in fact, he looked a lot, he looked actually pretty darn good. Um, and so I wouldn't be surprised to see him overtake, you know, whether I don't, I'm not going to say, He's going to take the starter spot. I think that's more likely than not Penix. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if Heward um, it during fall can build on what he did in the spring and, and establish himself the, as like a clear number the, two. Towards the end of November that if Penix needs to take a breather for a series, it'll be Heward coming in instead of Morris. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if, if that is true. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked either way, just because it, there are so many question marks. Sure. But, but I just based on my gut of how much Dylan Morris has to unlearn and how, you know, he already is at a disadvantage physically. I think things lean for me. That yeah. would be my educated guess. But um, I mean, yeah, I read the situation in the same way that Morris is under the squeeze because you know yeah. Penix is the more you know you know he's the more established and accomplished quarterback. He's worked with DeBoer uh, before. Um, and that, you know, he's got, you know, uh, physical ceiling problems. I agree with your assessment of Heward. I think it's way too early to write that guy off based on a bizarre, you know, yeah. game. Going into his freshman, freshman year. Oh, he's yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, you know, that essentially that guy's the future. He is until, you know, until you, he's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, Morris is not the future. And at some point you have to pull the trigger on, on switching the two. And, mm-hmm. and we just don't know when that is. You know, when I said we're waiting on it, I didn't mean that as, you know, in a, sure. in yeah, a yeah. No, denigrating no. way. I mean, literally we're waiting for the moment where it clicks you know and and who knows if that's going to happen in september or in october or november and next year like we you know 
when it happens, it happens, but it will for that guy. You can see the talent. Um, and the question, you know, and, 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 you know, until then Dylan Moore is sort of a safety blanket, but we, you know, we know where his floor is, we know where his ceiling is and, and, you know, how much of that is his intrinsic physical limitations versus how much of it is the evil poison of John Donovan that was being poured into his ear. Mm -hmm. Uh, who Probably knows, uh, but, but at any rate, like he's not, you know, he, he, he's not going to grow 30 miles an hour on his fastball overnight, you know, like, um, and, and like, you know, John Donovan wasn't telling him to throw interceptions, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, what I think about Dylan Morris, I think it, in this context, I, I look at what Jake Hayner did at Fresno and like, I don't, I think at this point it's probably, it's probably too late for Morris to, if he's in a similar situation, do that. And I don't think, he would do that at this level. I, but um, he, when uh, my memory of Jake Hayner when he was with UW is like kind of like everything Dylan Morris was, except for even physically less uh, advantage. <laughs> and well, so, we, so when I think so about that, so much less tape. On, you know, we had like that one Cal game where he threw the, sure, you know, the but, pick and. But what we saw from him in your like the reports from him from like practices and stuff, it was like interceptions every day, every day, mm. you know, and like, like there's a lot of hindsight bias on him, him versus Easton, which like, sure, that's or not hindsight. Uh, yeah, yeah, hindsight. Uh, um, but like, at the time, I mean, I, he was throwing an interception at least if not more every every practice and like, of course, that's not the same as a game. But um, and you're right that we have more, more tape on morris that isn't super yeah we we have i think 15 games on morris and and like that's you know that's enough that that's enough to say like okay i I know what you're you know whereas hayner was still sort of an you know lump of clay uh sure yeah and i think i think that's kind of goes back though to me like where i'm like well okay if jake hayner could go down there and three years later or two and a half years later um become like a get a the guy at fresno I'm like, okay, if if John or if, uh, Dylan Morris it goes to some other, you know, uh, group of five school or whatever, he has the same, very similar tools. Um, and I'm like, if he goes there in a friendly offense, unlearns the insanity that was shoved in him, and and not even like from a like academic X's and O's standpoint, but just from like those little, like you hear about quarterbacks getting trigger happy or 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 seeing ghosts and stuff like that kind of thing that that you're not even taught but you just internalize as an athlete like your brain and and how you react um to kind of get those reflexes out you know uh i dig it you're you're uh first of all i think that is in his future that he's going to wind up transferring to a, a g5 school um uh i'll i'll do you one better i will predict he'll transfer to san jose state uh and in the first week will be usc in 2023 let's do it all right that would actually Uh, be super cool (laughs) (laughs) um let's talk about the running backs yes um uh, okay so here's um, i'm gonna have to clean this up to make me sound smarter uh (laughs) don't edit um, that part out though so they know uh, perfect I have a difficult time. I think that the real problem with UW's offense last year was its run game was totally non-functional. Oh, completely. 100%. Um, I, I actually think that their passing game was 
not bad. In fact, I wrote uh, two different articles about how the only thing that Washington has going for them is that their deep downfield passing game is is uh, kind of scary. It's you know how they leverage themselves out of a couple of like scary games. Um, uh, but the the you know the run game meant that they could never hold a lead. They couldn't you know establish a lead. They couldn't do the stuff that Donovan wanted to do. Like his game plan for you know his strategy for how to win the game wouldn't work because they couldn't run the ball. And so then the question you know that needs to be resolved to figure out you know if if any of Washington 2021 film is relevant at all, which given that, you know, some of the personnel survives, it sort of is, uh, you know, is like how much of this is on the running backs and how much of this is on the offensive line. I am willing to believe that a lot of it is on the offensive line for yes. reasons that you and I've been discussing for a couple of years, uh, Gaby. Um, yeah. But I think some of it's on the running backs. And yeah. I'm I'm wondering how much you think it is and if you were sort of surprised by some of the numbers here. Like, you know, there there was basically a, a four-person rotation. Um, and I the the numbers did not make sense to me at all. You know, uh Sean McGrew, Cameron Davis, and Richard Newton all had about three point something yards per carry, which is real bad. Um I, we, yeah. you and I I think have been in agreement that like Cameron Davis is the best back in this room. He should be carrying the ball. And so I was like, why is he getting 3.6? And then Kamari Pleasant was getting 5.4, which is actually, you know, a decent number. Um yeah, I probably would have described him as the least talented back in the room. Um sure, yeah. It, did that like I, I found this to be shocking and I don't understand what happened. What do you think? Yeah, uh, I think my, the way that I would put it is, yeah, seven probably 70% offensive line, maybe 75% offensive line, and then that just exacerbated all the weak, the weaknesses that, that the running backs, and I think the, the utilization of the running backs and, and their deployment uh, had, and so it was just a giant clusterfuck of terror, because um, I agree, yeah, and I think, I think, it was kind of almost a situation of like having too deep a running back room where no one was really given enough opportunities to actually solidify themselves. And then it's like, okay, well in your development of your vision and your cuts and everything, then, then you're never building on anything. And it's like everyone who was thrown in there was like always a little bit cold um, and whether or not, you know, their natural talent, um, which like, I agree with you, I think, or at least going into last year, I agreed with you and I, I might still, I don't know uh, yeah. that Cam Davis was definitely the guy that I was like, yeah, he that easily has the most potential. Um, um, although also like, yeah, like you said, Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant like did better. And I think a lot of that is just there having that patience and vision just based off of how long they've been there even though well, yeah, like they're, you said, they're like three years older than that guy yeah oh uh i think they are older they were both 2016 class yeah um, yeah and davis was 2019 right was he 20 yeah yeah you're right yeah I, I, i'm really bad at telling time right now <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah it was i think the deployment was bad for them all as individuals i think all of them or for the most part you know didn't do well even considering that the offensive line and run blocking both in execution and the scheme itself was proper dog shit mm. um and so when you combine it all yeah i totally agree with you that i mean the, their run game and i think any husky fan will agree with you that their run game was just awful like and it was no single individual player's fault but collectively they did bad and that and then even Worse, of course, this all comes down to the coaches who were not doing hot at all. Um, 
And I assume you're going to ask me about the offensive line right after this. So if you want, I can just slide on into that. I'll save it to the end, uh, at least of the offense anyway. I think it all sort of comes back to it. But um, so here's what the I think what the personnel situation in the running back room is. uh, Sean McGrew and Kamari Pleasant have run out of eligibility. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, They've also lost a couple of 2021 recruits, Emeka Megwa and Caleb Berry. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think they got any carries last year. Mm. Um, Cameron Davis and Richard Newton are both coming back again, you know, 3.6, 3.5 yards per carry. Um, also, uh, uh, JV on Sunday, who got a couple of carries, he was a 2020 guy. Um, there's also Sam Adams. I doubt he's ever going to carry the ball on a couple yeah, of walk-ons. Um, and I guess before I talk about the, the new guys who are coming in, cause they took two transfers. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I didn't get to see Davis or Newton in the spring game. I think they were being held out on some, uh, minor injuries. Yeah, that but, sounds right. They had a it, handful of those. I guess, you know, short answer to the question, do you think that Davis and Newton are salvageable? Uh, oh, yeah, I think they're salvageable. Um, I, I mean, for what it's worth, I, I really liked uh, Newton in the 2019 season when he kind of broke out um, under Peterson. Like, he's not your, you know, he's not your lightning guy, but he was quite, I mean, he was, <laughs> I mean, just from an entertainment standpoint, he was super fun to watch because he is kind of runs like a he'll just bowl people over and I, I thought I thought he was making some pretty good he was creating some pretty good momentum for himself that season um, and then that all just you know hit a wall and and similarly in the little bits that we did see Cam Davis play in in 2019 which um, wasn't a whole lot but enough to notice um, you know he looked quite good and his what we saw from him as a prospect in high school like there were time they he had some runs I remember specifically when he was in high school watching some of his tape and being like, I saw that exact run from Najee Harris. Mm. Um, I've just, and obviously the difference is the consistency. So I'm not, if before any duck fan wants to be like, Oh my God, this idiot, she says that Cameron Davis is a Najee Harris. No, I didn't. <laughs> that is how duck fans sound. That is, that's how college football fans are freaking freaks. Uh, mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, but uh, no, I think they're both, I think they're both, quite valuable um although i think at the same time that aaron dumas and um particularly is the transfer from from new mexico is um is also in a really good position to be kind of a 1a um and then wayne wayne talapapa from virginia who's a grad transfer from virginia who actually um played in high school with one of our with our writers uh our writer coach b which is fun um he based on Coach B's assessment of him, I know like so little about him, but he's kind of like mini or uh, uh, the like a poor man's Miles Gaskin kind of just as far as like not super fast, not super imposing, but just kind of that guy that like always, you know, very patient, good vision and just falls forward, you know, so not 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 a superstar, but but just that's kind of I, I think very valuable as far as just raising the floor. Um, so I think between those four guys kind of as the focal point, um, I, I am cautiously optimistic, especially when you consider that, you know, that this offense isn't built to screw them over. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I can, I I will do my best not to duck explain the Fresno state, uh, offense. I I just had to resist duck explaining the Oklahoma offense to Alicia last week, but, um, uh, I will merely say that, uh, Fresno state had a pair of very good running backs. Um, uh, 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 
And uh, I think that, you know, they know how to identify what a good running back is. They know how to put the ball in his hands. They have mm. four or five, you want to count Sunday, um, uh, you know, all of whom I think are viable. You, you know, yes, mm-hmm. Davis and Newton didn't have a great season last year. There's a lot of reasons why that might be. I hope that they are healthy. Um, you know, I got to see Dumas in the spring game. I didn't get to see Talapapa because he hadn't, you know, come in yet. Um, but it's it's difficult for me to imagine between, you know, four, you know, fairly experienced backs plus one more for safety um, that, that that this coaching staff can't identify that yeah. this dude's the dude and give him the ball and this isn't going to be a problem. Yeah. Um, like that. that's sort of my basic take. Like, could they all wind up being problems and not able to play at this level? I guess, you know, like it could be that Davis and Newton really are busts and we've been fools all this time. It could be that that Dumas was playing in the Mountain West and that he won't be good, you know, at this level. It could be that, you know, same thing about uh, Talapapa and the ACC. But like, it's hard to believe that all of those things happen and or that the this coaching staff fails to identify, you know, the correct one, given their track record with their excellent sure. backs last year. So, like, yeah. yeah, I think this room will be fine. And the, yeah. The shouldn't sweat it it's kind of a a probabilities game at this point where like there's enough known commodities about each of these players versus last year like the room there's more people in it and and i actually feel like a good description of last year's running back room is i'm going to steal this from uh the seattle crack the kraken slash whl podcast sound of hockey (laughs) where they were referring to their own phrase to to talk about that team's roster was deep with depth and that's kind of what our like running back was last year it was like deep with depth and which almost is like a problem because it's like you don't have sure you you have a lot of guys but you now you're just like kind of rotating no one is getting any um like in any rhythm and you don't have like one necessarily reliable guy although you know shout out to Sean McGrew for being a freaking champ for the hundred years he was here you know through like terrible like just roller coaster and some not I mean, he was arguably the best part of the offense at some point I mean, when he was probably, running the wildcat, yeah. you know, like, yeah, yeah, um, and, and, and like, you know, say, say we drill about Kalen DeBoer, those guys, you know, they identified, you know, our running backs, Ronnie Rivers and Jordan Mims, and those guys got, I think, 95% of the carries, you know, like they were, mm-hmm. you know, like that was it, you know, like there wasn't yeah. any sort of like messing around or, or difficulty identifying yeah, exactly. who the correct backs were. So I would have confidence in them doing that again. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much how I feel about it. Let's talk about the tight ends. Um, so, uh, losing Kate Otten, he's, uh, off the market, sadly, um, losing your, your, your crush. Yeah, I know. Uh, losing uh, Mark Redman um, as well. Uh, he uh, he transferred out. He was the 2020 uh, four star mm-hmm. um, losing a couple from other Newport beach with from Corona Del Mar with a uh, home to the same, the same high school. It's heavily implied where, George Michael Bluth and maybe Fumke went to school. <laughs> oh, there you go. Him and him and Ethan Garbers now with UCLA. Uh, also losing Jevin Forward and uh, Mason West. I don't think those are great losses. Um, but Kay Dotton sure is. Um, they got his, uh, I believe, younger brother Ryan Otten, uh, but he doesn't arrive until the fall. Um, and given the guys ahead of him, I have a hard time matching Ryan Otten breaking in. What do you think? Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it's more likely than not that he redshirts this year. Um, and, and also, I mean, this offense is so much less tight end heavy. Like, I don't think we're going to see a lot of, um, I mean, hopefully I never have to see 22 personnel ever again. Although (laughs) my issue with that is more with the the H back or fullback or whoever's, you know, in that position. Um, um, you know, I think, I think at most we're, you will see probably, you know, like 12 personnel every once in a while with two tight ends, but, um, 
but it's it's mostly just a you know a one tight end guy on the on the on the field. Um, I am a little bit sad that Redmond left, although that's all you know, kind of all potential sort of thing. You know, it's sure. not like he had proven he had anything. Like one catch he, last year, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was he he is somebody who I'm like, oh, I wish we could have held on to him just for a couple years just to see if he could crack through. Um, I think so. What it is looks like right now is Quentin Moore is an exciting junior college pickup. Um, but he's, it, it sounds like he's not, I don't want to say far away, but he's not his, his, uh, him having significant contributions aren't like imminent necessarily. Um, I think Devin Culp is sort of, I mean, Devin Culp is really interesting case because he's really quite, um, impressive as a runner. But but because he played, he pretty much played in a wing T offense in high school over in Spokane, and um, and he's always, he's really great as a runner. But because of that usage, he just doesn't necessarily like the really soft hands as a as a pass catching tight end. Aren't yeah, he's also got natural. no vertical either. Uh, he's also what he's got, he's got no vertical. He's got like a yeah. He's not point. a yeah. That's true. He's not he's not he's not a jumpy boy. Um, but but it they've had they've had a decent amount of praise for him during the spring which it's you know it's so hard to parse through like what yeah, coaches say what media says and like what that actually means um but i mean he he's definitely somebody where like if he can become more confident and natural um just just you know receiving the ball like and and learn to jump like an inch um then then like that's actually like i for me i think that's quite an interesting um just that's just an interesting prospect and i think it'd be quite fun to watch um but yeah there's there's sorry i'm going back to their their roster right now just for well there's in in terms of guys who i think you know might see the field it's culp of course uh quentin moore i agree with that assessment about him there's the former walk on uh, jack westover yeah and jack westover it's right now it's mostly um Culp and then Westover kind of as that I mean well they've been Westover splitting was, him out you know like I, sure. I just don't like I I fear for that guy's life whenever he goes to block um yeah well and he and he mostly has or I I actually I don't know the numbers for this but anecdotally he's mostly been kind of an H-back kind of dude but he's he's also been rather quite versatile um you know and he's i think he he's interesting because he is more of a pass catcher but he's less Mm -hmm. electric with the ball in his hands um so but yeah i think i think it's safe to say that yeah westover and colt are probably going to be the guys you see the most often um and then and then more 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 somebody who i'll I'll keep an eye on in fall just because he is very um you know he's an interesting He's, 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 you know, a very good athlete and, you know, those are, those are guys you want to. Yeah. yeah. It will be, it'll be interesting to watch this offense. Cause I I've seen, you know, so I watched DeBoer at Indiana. I watched DeBoer at uh, Fresno. I watched the Washington spring game uh, this spring and all three of them, I saw him using tight ends differently. Um, and it, it seemed like it was reactive to just the quality of talent that he, he had, he had a, a pretty good tight end at Indiana in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, they had like nothing for tight ends um, at Fresno. And so it was like, it was some 11, but a lot of just four wide. 
Um, yeah. And then, and then in the spring game, I was seeing 12, but it was like one inline tight end that are usually, uh, yeah, and then you more, break the and then have wide. Westover. Yeah. yeah. And it was almost always Westover outside. And then when he would move into play H back, he'd get annihilated by Washington's uh-huh. defensive line. Yeah. And he's kind of a tweener. I, I, I think that you're probably right in that the, the, uh, well, like I said, I, I, I trust Kalen DeBoer to, to make a, an appropriate decision based on what the talent that he has. And I'm trying to like, I don't know, play backseat, you know, driver here by trying to figure out what talent he has. I sort of think it's Culp ain't Kate Otten um, and, and uh, Jack Westover is a walk on. And so I think that sort of like it's a net, you know, there's a net loss of talent here. How could it not be with, with, um, of course. My, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, and that, that DeBoer will probably react to that. I think appropriately by, you know, playing a lot of 11 personnel and not trying to put the entire offense through Kate, you know, the, the not Kate Otten's hands. Um, yeah the way that previous offenses at Washington, like that was the only thing they had going for them yeah, at times, yeah. you know? Um, yeah, it'll be, and I think you're right. It'll be interesting to watch to see if more adds, you know, the third kind of heat in fall camp. That that was basically my assessment of him in the spring game was like, yeah, I can see it, but he's not there yet. And, and you know, but, but maybe that yeah. light will come on. Yeah. Yeah. And he was um, a class of 2019 high school grad. So I don't want to do math, but you know, we have a few years for him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think we're, probably going to see mostly i mean not i think i know that 11 personnel as far as deployment of tight ends it's mostly going to come there um and then you'll see a little bit of 12 from time to time like you said with with uh one, with yeah one but not even not even like real 12 it's yeah it's 12 like only 12 the if you can do Jasper's lowercase number. if you do yeah, lowercase right. numbers it would be a lowercase 12 right uh let's talk about the wide receivers yeah um uh, losing Terrell Bynum uh, to mm-hmm. USC, losing uh, Sawyer Racanelli. Uh, I'm not sure where he wound up. Um, he went to Montana. You know, yeah. if you can't join him, if you can't beat him, join him. Yeah, right. Yes, so. Yeah. I think those are the only two departures in the wide receiver room. Did uh, I miss anybody? The only two that are, yeah, there might have been like a preferred walk on who, mm. yeah. Yeah. Um, no, Bynum. Oh, yeah. By- Bynum was, um, you know, definitely our most he was kind of like a go-to reliable guy, yeah. but, um, and That's I, I describe him too. Yeah. Um, Odunze and McMillan though, um, as well as, um, uh, Jalen Polk, um, from Texas tech who was out most of last year with an injury. Yeah. Um, so like his like the, chest got hurt. So I, 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 it was like, I think it was a torn pectoral or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're dynamic in a way that, um, dynamic and not and just bigger um although actually not that much i think terrell bynum was actually like six feet tall but i think it was like 5 11.1 you know yeah but like a dune is like six three and i think is six two yeah i mean they're yeah they're bigger they play on the outside bynum's possession receiver i think he was Mm -hmm. valuable as a possession receiver uh certainly um one of our one of our um or the i think it was max it was one of the guys who runs the, the uwdb twitter account with me um mentioned when bynum transferred to usc he just like quote tweeted it with a caption something about like how usc is doing good on the like just picking up transfers from within the pac-12 and i think he like referred to terrell bynum as like he said something like are you know one of one of like one of uw's best receiver or like uw's arguably best receiver something like clearly referring to like just the reliable like reliable production as a possession receiver and there were like a handful of people that were like how could you say that robo jose and Jalen mcmillan are mm. so much better and we're like calm down <laughs> like obviously right. as athletes and going into the future like i'd rather lose Darrell bynum and and keep those guys but <laughs> like pe- people like to split hairs like 
a lot yeah. mm -hmm. <laughs> and get I, very mad about it. I mean, Bynum had 16.8 yards per catch and, and McMillan and oh. Dunze had 12 and 10. Like, you know, he, he performed, he, he did more. He had more touchdowns. He, yeah. He was more like numerically productive and was, you know, more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, but, I think if this offense, you know, were a better offense that, you know, receivers who have a exactly. higher ceiling would be more valuable, but it wasn't. And so a guy who is very, exactly. you know, reliable is very valuable. Uh, yeah. Perhaps this will be more explosive offense in the future. And so, you know, who cares, but at any rate, uh, you know, returning most of the receiver core, you know, right? Like, as you say, returning McMillan and Adunze, um, returning uh, Giles Jackson, the guy who earlier transferred in from Michigan. Uh, he's sort of a slot guy. Um, returning Jalen Polk, uh, as you say, the, the Texas Tech transfer, but mm -hmm. who missed, you know, a good deal of the season uh, with an injury. He seems to be, um, you know, back to nominal. I was seeing him in the spring game. The guy who I didn't, well, there's two guys that I didn't see in the spring game that I wanted to ask you about, which are um, Taj Davis and Jabez Tine. Um, do you know what their story is? Um, Jabez tonight was actually he was there. He was at the he was at the spring game and near the end of it actually had quite a, had a handful of catches that were oh. like legit. Um, because he so he he went to high school with Sam Heward, so they had that whole thing. And then also, um, Junior Alexander transferred from right. ASU, who also went to high school with them. So right, that one felt like he was he was returning home because oh, yeah. you know, he should sure, have gone sure. to Washington in yeah. the first place, and then yeah. Um, and no, from what, from what it, uh, so the recruitment of Lanyata Alexander, um, was pretty much, yeah, like Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy Lake and, um, uh, and your, your guy, how did I just space out about our old coach's name? <laughs> Junior Adams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy Lake and Junior Adams kind of fucked that recruitment over because they, hmm. he was like their back burner guy and then he, he like knew it. <laughs> and then they, oh, they were they were like we know we can get this guy so <laughs> you know kidding. we'll play for somebody else and then he was like screw you guys i'm just yeah gonna, yeah, uh, yeah. But, um, but then arizona state lit on fire state. so you know yeah yeah, yeah and then that. arizona state got nuked um yeah. <laughs> but yeah um sorry so who were the other you said uh taj davis so, and taj davis yeah team. well i mean those are things i didn't see tonight uh last year at all and then i didn't see him in spring yeah. game although apparently i just needed to watch till the very end yeah, in order to see him no yeah he didn't that's my problem i'm not watching enough football tape yeah yeah you really don't do enough research mm -hmm. um no he i don't yeah i don't think he played at all last year i mean he was you know redshirting regardless was, yeah sure uh, it's just like i wanted to know if he was injured or something but yeah like, no 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 um taj davis fill, taj, taj davis filled in for when oh shoot when was it odunze one of our we had when he was kind of like the next guy next man up last year um and yeah so he, he played in i think every game or almost every game um and yeah so like in michigan he had like 80 yards uh i'm, I'm now i'm just reading the stats page on his roster because i don't have these memorized because mm. i'm not a freak um uh yeah um, i have a spreadsheet open thank you yeah yeah so i mean he was he was um just kind of a reliable not like not gonna light the world on fire kind of, honestly kind of like a, a bigger um more athletic version of trail bynum just kind of that just kind of a pretty good go-to guy um my memory is he he had a few like this might have been the season before actually that he had a few like legit contested catches which was one of the big things that with that our, our receivers the last like couple years i mean they were really not contested catches were such an issue um and that's i think something that kind of made him like fans started to really warm up to taj davis because of 
the fact that he seemed to be a guy who could like make make tough plays. Um, I, I <clears throat> yeah, I think I think you know that this the the main the the starting three are I think quite clearly unless something changes, um, Odin Zaypolk and and uh, McMillan. But I think there is a a a, a good second tier beneath them. So I mean, receiver, I I'm not saying anything unique i think most washington fans will say the same thing that that the thing that we're most looking forward to um or the or the thing that that most of the offensive potential rests on is that this receiver group for the first time in a hot minute because for the so long under peterson and uh and lake and stuff under brent pease and then uh hamden to an extent although he was a decent recruiter um were the receivers were just like just, just, we just, the, the personnel, um, recruitment and then, and then coaching was just, but especially the recruitment under P's that could not be, it could not be overstated how much that screwed over, um, mm-hmm. the last few years of Chris Peterson's offense. Cause he, that dude was just terrible. Oh, and Matt Lubick. I forgot about Lubick. I forgot. That's how bad he was. Um, yeah. Yeah, Lubick so wasn't a great recruiter for Oregon either. Yeah, um, but I mean, I'm so we're we're so used to having the receivers be a weak spot that then all of a sudden to be like, oh, we have three good, like legit good starters, and three guys beneath them who would frankly be like, like you're not gonna like win a playoff game with them as your starters, but they would be like fine, you know, yeah. they would be quite good. And it's they're kind of it's kind of the opposite of the running back room last year where it's like it's deep and is actually like good depth, you know? Well, I, I, I mean, I agree. Hey, listen, last year uh, when, you know, remember when all those wide receivers transferred out last year and then you and I, when we were having this conversation last year at this time, we're like, you know what, what this, what this leaves with is a wide receiver room. That's, you know, it's fine. It's mostly made up of four stars as it is this year, you know, because there's only one, one loss and they brought in a different four star, you know, junior Alexander, uh, you know, you know, every one of these guys is a four star, except for Taj Davis, who's a high three star and Jalen yeah, Polk, who's a borderline four star. And he's you know. like shown himself, you know, he's, he's proved a little bit, like there's a little bit of a floor there that, you know, you can yeah. rely on. And we, we don't yet know that about, you know, junior Alexander, you know, basically, you know, the, the whole reason that we did this whole thing about Bynum was that like, yeah, losing that guy, you know, and replacing him with Alexander, who's never caught a ball, you know, and, and is going to be a richer mm-hmm. freshman, like, okay, that's probably uh, at UW. He, I don't think he caught a ball at ASU. Really? Oh, you might be right, but I thought he actually had some. I'm going to look that up right now. Sorry, keep talking. I will look that up um, and see if you're right or wrong. It, it, we know what Bynum could do. We're less certain about what Alexander can do, but nonetheless, like it's it, it's five returning, uh, either four star or high three star dudes. You know who all caught balls. You know fairly competently uh, last year in a bad offense. Like they mm-hmm. were the bright spot. Yeah, in, exactly. In a bad offense. Like, you know. We, we haven't yet seen tonight, but like I'm, we will, I'm sure we haven't yet seen Alexander, but we will, I'm sure. Um, it's a bit of a small room if it's going to mostly an 11 personnel offense, you know, uh, um, you know, I, I agree with you who the starters are going to be and who the rotational guys will be. You know, they'll probably need to be playing uh, all of them at one point or another. Um, I think. There's some question about uh, the guy who's transferring in from Nebraska, William Nixon, about whether he'll play running back or wide receiver. Yeah, he's kind I, of a, I, yeah. I would bet on wide receiver simply because the running back room's got its dudes. 
like they don't need a sixth dude, but the wide receiver room needs an eighth, you know, like in a 11 personnel offense, that seems, you know, per- fairly obvious to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I agree. Yeah. He's kind of a, I think I wouldn't be shocked to see him be kind of like a, well, I was going to say like a, a Chico role, but he's mm. bigger than Chico was like two feet tall. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, no, I think you're right. It's just, you know, but here's the situation, you know, it's still sort of uncertain to me how um, DeBoer is going to use these guys because, you know, uh, uh, Nixon wasn't on campus yet. Uh, Tanai didn't play until the very end of the game. Davis was, you know, held out of the spring game. I was, and and because they were splitting the team in half, you know, I was seeing Millen and Adunze and Jackson and Polk, but then I was also seeing a couple of walk-ons, you know, I was seeing like Nick Duran, David Pritchard. And like, I assumed that those guys aren't really going to be playing very, you know, like I I've sort of yet to see what exactly this offense is going to be. I think the wide receivers provide a nice floor. I think there's, uh, you know, in the, in that, you know, they're fairly experienced i would like the room if i were a Washington fan to be a little bit bigger um but like you know considering all the tumult that this room in particular has been through over the last like three years or so to come out of it with like yeah it's a bunch of four stars who can demonstrate they can catch the ball and we're the bright spot in last year's offense like hell i take it you know yeah yeah well and i mean we really thought like there was a legit fear after you know junior alexander left or junior yeah now I'm, I'm getting so no no junior, junior adams, adams and junior alexander. between junior alexander and junior adams between when junior adams left that like oh this one strength like this group that we knew we could rely on um like might all leave and there uh you know the it if there was a, a minute where it looked like like maybe mcmillan and roma dunze like are gone um and then and then they both um they actually i forget where it is but they they have opened up like gone in depth about the the meetings they had with DeBoer um and then later Jamarcus Shepard um that like convinced them to stay Mm -hmm. (laughs) um (laughs) but there there was a minute there where Washington fans were like oh fuck yeah yeah yeah, no we'd be singing a very different song than Millen and Dinsey transferred out but like as it is you know I think there'll be eight you know, wide receivers in the room of whom, you know, five caught balls pretty reliably last year. Um, and that's with one of them, you know, being hurt for half the season, like, yeah. you know, and, you know, three more guys, you know, where there's a ceiling. There's also, I, I should say, a true freshman who's coming in the fall to Denzel Boston, who's, sure, a, a, yeah. you know, a mid three star. I, 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 you know, to be perfectly honest, I think Oregon, you know, snagged Junior Adams, not just because he's, I think, a pretty good wide receiver coach. He had that one bad year in 2019. But like, I think the 2021 sort of demonstrates that you know that the dude didn't forget how to coach um it was just weird stuff going on in 2019 um but i think they largely did to try to destroy washington's recruiting operation like um oh completely like that uh, was very yeah every like washington <laughs> fans were looking at this we're like you can just say you're tr- you're focusing on yeah on us. <laughs> just like the last nail in the coffin man and, yeah and you know i i gotta be perfectly honest taking one wide receiver you know in last year's class uh, or in the 2022 cycle who's a mid three star that's sort of like that's not what that's not what Washington had been doing the last couple of years. It sort of seems like it worked. Um, uh, well, they only had him committed beforehand. He was like, the, he was the only one we didn't have other commits and then they left after. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, I, I will see how this works go, you know, going forward. I, I certainly would have a lot of confidence in Jamarcus Shepard, but like, you know, in terms of a plan to disrupt, you know, Washington's recruiting operation because they had been getting a bunch of four-star wide receivers. Like, yeah, <laughs> I think Wait, that was fairly so- clear. Oh, okay. I, th- I thought you were saying that it worked like 
because we and you can see that because we only have one but i'm like we only had one that whole time <laughs> like yeah I, it, sure and then and then now it now it looks like stuff is proceeding pretty much as normal right exactly um, but there's like you know there's this interruption in in the in, in the flow of wide receivers to washington I and mean, sort of what i've been saying like for anybody who's who, who i guess thinks that like washington's wide receiver core is screwed and terrible or whatever it's like no that's you know really not it's the opposite of that is the case and like so so much so that like you know the rival took efforts to try to sabotage their recruiting operation at <laughs> right, wide receiver because yeah. it was so good like yeah although uh, i do i do love it. uh giles jackson our guy um He's actually, he's our Chico now um, from, he was the guy who was our transfer from Michigan last year. He, he played a little bit, not a whole lot. Um, and he threw shade at, at Junior Adams the other day on, on uh, Twitter. <laughs> I forget what it was exactly, but he like quote tweeted something saying that Junior Adams or like implying that Junior Adams was a good coach or like the best, not the good, like the best coach, uh, like receiver coach or something in somewhere, Pac-12 or whatever. And he was like, I don't remember what he said, but he was like, no, we're actually learning things now. And I'm like, oh, shots fired. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the offensive line. <laughs> sure. Uh, so, um, retaining Scott Huff, huh? Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that decision? <laughs> um, yeah, where he's, I mean, this is such, I, I think if he doesn't, if the offensive line isn't good this year, he'll be fired. Uh, it's such a, quite, I mean, it's it's yeah it, he he's in the past has been a very good recruiter like much much better than anything we've had and that you can see that when you look at the roster to, um now like the the talent and the depth that they have at offensive line is better than it had been in yeah, like honestly since the, since the 20 since the 2001 rose bowl like i don't think that is um exaggerating and that is what makes the performance so even worse to watch um, and then the question, of course, now, I mean, obviously some of it, you know, obviously you have to um, like attribute that is in some way, it, it, of course, attributable to Scott Huff's coaching for execution and everything. And then the question becomes how much of it, like what's the balance of how much that suckage was uh, execution and co coaching, the execution based on coaching and how much of it came down to just how, how dog shit the offense itself was. Um, and and especially because the what the most of the roster personnel was yeah, excuse me recruited for the kind of under Chris Peterson how you had a lot of like pulling guards and you had those guys that you wanted that had like quick feet and they could get out in space and move move things around that way um, and then when you move to like all right we're gonna do an I formation and you're gonna run zone into the A gap um, like that there was just a mismatch of personnel abilities or like, you know, what they were recruited for and then what they were doing. Um, and, but now, like now is like the real test of like, yeah, none of us were satisfied with Scott Huff last season. And I'm not, I'm not like saying what I just said so that I, it sounds like I'm saying, and now he'll be great. But um, it is like a huge question mark that if the offensive line actually does end up good this year um it will seem it will make Kalen DeBoer look like a genius to be able to identify that like this guy who's good at reeling in talent also can thrive as a coacher of uh you know of um te of technique mm -hmm. um but if not then yeah his ass is out <laughs> I mean that 
what you said is almost verbatim what I said about this line last year. You know, I, 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 you know, if, if they prove it, they've got the talent to be a very good offensive line. Uh, but you know, what I sort of have seen ever since Scott Huff took over is technically, you know, like, I, I, I guess I would say I, I buy the opposite theory. I don't really think it was the scheme. I, I think it's a hundred percent. This guy's coaching wrong. Like, yeah, I'm not saying it's just the scheme. It's yeah. just that the scheme really didn't help anything. Yeah. I'm, and now, what I'm and saying now, is I'm, now we have like again about back to like uncontrolled variables now we will have be able to compare those very those variables and know like for sure just the extent to which it was him which i agree like i don't from what i have seen um in under pete and jimmy lake that uh yeah that i don't i don't think he's super great at coaching technique and now we're going to see in this in this offense that is passer friendly um and like you said like pretty good at the running game too like if he really can't make it happen in this then 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 we like we know without a doubt the sure. extent of his weakness um my, my, the doubts have left my body but i guess <laughs> other people would join me um the they have lost uh, the center uh, luke wattenberg um and ulama ali who was um playing uh, offensive guard has been converted to the defensive line mm-hmm. Um, Jackson Kirkland, uh, will be coming back. He got his NCAA waiver, um, but he was out for the spring game. So I didn't get uh, to watch him. They were also holding out, uh, Henry Bainavalu. So I didn't get to watch him, but I think that Kirkland and Bainavalu have spots on the starting line. What do you think? Yeah. Kirkland left tackle, uh, Bainavalu probably right tackle. Um, and then you'll put Kern most likely he'll be right tackle. Um, Corey Luciano. Did you mean that Bainavalu at right guard? Did I say right? You said tackle, but I think you meant guard. Um, well, he he has been playing at right tackle, if I oh, really? remember correctly, in spring. I did and see he, some of Kern at guard, so maybe. Yeah, well, Kern is built so much, like traditionally is built so much more for guard. And Bainavalu was recruited as a tackle, and he had hmm. played, he's played at both positions. Um, and then, I mean, you could be right. He could end up, you know, we have, people have been moved around, so that's not inconceivable. Um yeah, Luke Wanberg was kind of one of those guys who was really reliable, or not reliable. He was really versatile, but like had a clear, uh, clear ceiling and weaknesses. You know, um, mm-hmm. Corey Luciano's probably taking over for him at center. I'm not super jazzed about him, although you know some of that is just bias based on you know him being a, a JUCO guy from like that who seemingly has been on this roster forever. Well, his, and when you have his snapping in the 2021 spring game was crazy. It was. Um, it seemed to have calmed down a bit in the 2022 spring game. Oh uh, yeah, you're right. I forgot about that a year ago. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, almost made the 2021 spring game unwatchable because it was like <laughs> all these snaps were going over the dude's head. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, especially because Miles Murrow, who was, uh, was recruited as a specifically as a center and was mm-hmm. like, we flipped him from USC, um, in the 2020, 2020 class. Um, mm-hmm. Um, it is, you know, I, I, ideally you're like, we want him there. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, but he was being held out in the spring game too. So I still haven't been able to see him. I, uh, Miles Murrow. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. And, and there's, you know, there's, uh, you know, hopefully he can take over just because, you know, you know what the, the talent discrepancy is. Um, uh, and yeah. And then left guard is kind of a left guard. I mean, again, both the guard spots and to an extent tackle right tackle as well is, kind of one of those things where you get to just be excited as a fan just to be like, yeah, let's let 
a bunch of four stars battle it out <laughs> to be right you know and they've and, got you know nate Kalepo's a, a four-star guard they've got uh owen prentice who's a four-star guard they've got uh the, uh, the g's guard memoir yeah, and garen garen hatchet, garen hatchet are, who's playing garen hatchet's high line. school film was like he would run into guys like he didn't want to live it was hilarious and at ferndale they would also it was i i don't really remember exactly what their offense was my memory is it was a decent amount of wing tea and just seeing this dude like get up a full head of steam and then it was funny it was like he was like when i remember watching that and being like you when you when you see that and are able to uh think about like that in a polling guard is just really funny sure and you know so yeah it's so just, there's just it- there's a lot of options there and I mean, we're not even done. We even mentioned Roger. You know, Roger. Oh Rosengarten. yeah, and Rosengarten. Rosengarten, who's who's ideally a tackle in the future. I mean, he's he's built sure. like a tackle. That's what he's for. And, and um, same with Julius Bulow, You know. Yeah. Uh, Start tackle. I mean, like it, I mean. Bulow's, yeah, we don't need to go into in depth on every single player well, because that this would be a four-hour. You're right. We, we go for. I would my, hate myself, my and is, the readers, the listeners would hate it. <laughs> Uh, you were a hundred percent right. That Scott Huff was pulling in lots of four-star talent. Um, we also haven't really seen it because they were sticking with sort of seniors. Um, uh, there should be some, you know, change up to the line, you know, like, uh, but on the other hand, it's entirely possible. We don't, right. It's entirely possible that we don't see, we still don't see any of these guys, right. Cause it could um, be that Kirkland I mean, they and really Bain of they could go with melee at center. I was seeing him in the spring. Yeah, I really game. like, I, I, I honestly, because he has been he's been kind of the sixth man up for a couple of years and i was hoping that if murrow doesn't murrow doesn't get a run at center that melee would he's oddly enough played at center and tackle a lot um and like not guard which is very bizarre um but i i have enjoyed him when i've watched um okay. quite a bit so Gaby, how would you feel if this were the starting offensive line and they stayed healthy all year and the mm. and we never saw anybody besides these five human beings? Jackson Kirkland, Henry Bainavalu, Corey Luciano, Victor Kern, Matteo Melli. Uh wait, what are, is that going? Wait, so the book the tackles. Can you say that in order from okay. left to right? Uh I just did. Uh Jackson oh, Kirkland, what? left tackle, Henry. It, it, it's a hypothetical. I know. I, okay. I moved Bainavalo from right to left. Okay. Um, but otherwise it would be guys who are all playing these positions in the Wait, and then sorry, continue that. So let's say that again. Say so that again. Kirkland at left tackle. Yeah. Bainavalo at left guard. I just yeah. moved him over. Yeah. Uh Luciano snapping the ball. Yeah. Kern at right guard. Matteo Melli at right tackle. Yeah, I, I I think that I wouldn't hate that. I, th- I think that's a decent, a decent Even setup. I mean, having none of the 2019, 2020, 2021 four stars, you know, that we've just spent all this time talking about like, wow, what a great group of dudes that we'd still would never have seen. I mean, Mele, uh, I mean, ideally, like, well, I mean, that's the thing is like, there's at a certain point, because I mean, Kirkland or like Bainavala was uh, like a medium four star Kern and then Kern um Kern Melee and Jackson Kirkland were all like that high three star that when you if you actually watched your film you like were like okay yeah sure you should be rated higher but um and then Luciano's the guy where he's kind of underwhelming but that's kind of one of those things of like watching actual like actually watching the film and obviously like like four and five star stuff and blue trips matter on like a um like on a macro scale like you need that because it is more often than not right on it within you know um within within a scale um but like looking at kirkland and being like oh he was just a 
0.89 or whatever 0.88 is like not i don't think that's a very operative way of looking at it um especially when yeah like melee was like 0.89 or actually he might have been four star i don't fucking remember um and i've got them all in front of me i could tell you but like that that's that's not what i was asking about i wasn't asking like are these good guys or are they bad you know we'll see uh my question was like there's you can assemble a starting five in fact i actually think a pretty likely starting five which doesn't touch the 2019 or 2020 or 2021 class at all and how how would you feel if we had to wait yet another year to see you know these great recruits um, I mean, I don't really care as long as it's the best combination, like at this moment, obviously, because they're, you know, they're uh, highly rated, quote unquote, because of their potential. I mean, and, and especially on, on the line, especially on the offensive line, like to equate that to, to hit a point where you're playing at what you quote unquote should play in college is different than you really see at any other position uh other than you know sometimes the defensive line or defensive line as well is not quite at that level but close um so i don't yeah i don't really care i mean especially because the offensive line more more than the offensive line is like if you kind of want to think about it like no individual guy matters it's like if there is one weakness then that is everybody like there it is it is essentially you have to think of those five players as one player um and so like i like frankly i don't really like if they're playing the best five guys for those like for the circumstances who are the best now not in the future then i don't really care how it is um if you know if they are just playing like like luke luke wattenberg the last year or two like i think he kind of was just playing to an extent based on his floor because of his seniority um like yeah something like that kind of sucks but like i don't i don't you know whatever <laughs> like that's what happens that's what happens when you have like rec- when you recruit year after year really well like yeah like you have four stars sit and if they can if if they break through that's great but like if you have like three tiers like three three strings of of uh of of those guys then like yeah you're you you can only play five so so some people who you're excited about and want to see play will sit and that's just how it is all right let's switch over and talk about the defense a schematic change for the first time in quite a while. Um, Inja uh, runs a, uh, uh, well, what is basically a four, two, five. Um, they, mm-hmm. they have a couple of defensive <laughs> ends who, uh, it, it was a little confusing when I was doing the Fresno film study because, because they're standup ends, but then they don't really have like um, pass coverage responsibilities. They're, they're, they're just ends, but they, they happen not to have their fist in the ground. Um, It's also the case that like, there's a pretty clear division in the body types between who they want, you know, is their interior lineman and who they want is their edge players. Um, I mean, is there any school where that's not happening now? If you have the uh, same, that is. Yeah. There's some three down schools uh, where that's, you know, not the case. Sure. Sure. But I feel like that's, that's such a different scheme that, sorry. Okay. Continue. We're also fit in Washington's two down scheme that they've been running for years that they wanted two different types. All right. So the, uh, the, it looks like the departures here, uh, Sam Taimani transferred to Oregon, uh, Julian Lilahea, who looked more like an edge, um, uh, has also left, uh, Draco Bynum, Brody Reese and Noah Ngalu. Uh, I think those are the five departures in the defensive line. Did I miss anybody? 
Uh, no, I think that's it. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, go on. Uh, I, I liked Taimani. As soon as he got in the transfer portal, it seemed like Washington fans stopped liking Taimani. Uh, what do you think? Um, I mean, I don't... Is that like a significant loss or not? It's a medium loss. He was kind of... He was kind of one of those guys, you, you know, he actually is kind of like what, how we're talking about or thinking about maybe the offensive, the like star quote unquote offensive lineman, young offensive lineman, um, except for he was given opportunities and he, he was never like a massive, he wasn't a liability, but he never really like we recruited him. He was a, I think he was like a 0.92 or something like he was a four star and he was someone who we were all very excited about, especially you know, as a two gap, kind of as one of those bowling ball, like cannonball dudes for, you know, for zero, one, probably one mm -hmm. technique. Um, but, you know, uh, the last couple of years, we were kind of waiting for him to like really look like what his rating was. And he wasn't, this isn't me like crapping on him because he went to Oregon. Um, Cause he wasn't, it's like, he wasn't, he wasn't bad. Uh, and he made you know every once in a while once once a once every other game or so you once a game maybe you'd he would um you know you'd kind of notice him but it wasn't like he just didn't make the impact that you really wanted um and you know who knows that could have been coaching like he seemed to get pushed back the off the line more than you would want with a guy who had such a low center of gravity like he did um but but between him and and Thule, the Tule Gasanoa, who were they were kind of like the twins from that of the sure. interior defensive linemen from that class. Um, Tule and Tule still isn't like a star star, but he's kind of a more reliable anchor and playmaker. Um, so yeah, I still like would prefer not to have lost Taimani, but um, yeah, that's, well, I, that's. I mean, I agree with you that. that uh, Latuli and Gusanoa is, you know, very good. Uh, and I think he'll, you know, even though there's something of a scheme change, I think he'll, you know, slide right, you know, mm -hmm. into being just fine for it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I sort of have a difficult time identifying the next guy though. Um, simply because there's a yeah. lot of them and I, and I can't really like differentiate them, you know, so here's who I think the returners are, uh, Jacob Bondas, uh, Voyutu Nufi, uh, Fati Tuatele, um, Kueu Pehopa. Uh, like I said, they moved, uh, Ale over from the offensive yeah. line. Um, there's also C.O.C. Finau. Uh, I think that's, and then they got two, um, uh, true freshmen, uh, who I think are twins, Armin and Javen Parker, yeah, they're, uh, they're, but they don't arrive until the fall. I would yeah. sort of expect those guys are projects and, and they won't play. Yeah, oh, definitely. Um, so like, I, I think you got one established starter who's, uh, Latuli and Gusanoa. And, you know, I think you've got, uh, basically four experienced returners, although not super experienced in Bondas, Tunufi, Tuatele, and Pehopa. And then, you know, a couple of like, we'll see how they work out in Ale and Finau. Um, I, I think that's the room. How do you sort it out? Yeah. I mean, Finau, you, um, you won't see him this year. He's, uh, you know, he's, he okay. was, he was a project and he was super young. So, um, um, but um yeah i i think the i think you're not wrong that so two newfie um two newfie and two Telly are kind of the the three that i think you're going to see the most often i really personally really want to see jacob banda's um breakthrough because his hands like with when you watch 
when you watched his film, like his hands were so violent and he had such a, you, you, you just, such a, such a strong base. Um, and, and, and yeah, like that low center of gravity, strong base, really like snappy, violent hands. And it's just the idea of like what you can bring with that is really exciting, but, um, you know, haven't seen too much from him. Um, hopefully that changes. Cause he's still, you know, he's still young. He's only been there for a year and a half. Um, but Tunufi and, um, Pehopa, especially Pehopa is like pretty much, I mean, he hasn't solidified himself, I would say, especially because you rotate the defensive interior in any reasonable um, modern defense. Like, you're going to rotate them sure. a lot. Um, so so I wouldn't call him, like, the other guy. But um, I think I think you're probably most likely going to see I, – I, I think uh, Thule and Pehopa, I think you're going to probably get the most snaps. Um, and then and then Tunufi and Tuiteli, and then hopefully Bandis. That's about how I peg it too, at least from watching them in the spring game. That that about looked like you know the the where I was seeing their current level at. Um, although as you say, spring games are always sort of fraught. And you know I I wasn't seeing Tuatelli. I think he was being held out. But like I, I watched him last year. Um, and yeah, I agree with you about Bondis. Like it, it's sort of been a you know I've been waiting for this guy. Um, and maybe he turns it on. Maybe he doesn't. Uh, you know I guess we'll wait and see. But yeah, I, you know. It, and then Ale, you know, we'll see how he does. You know. Know, in, in transitioning from the offense to the defense it's a it's a unit where you need four playable guys you know in the rotation and they have six to choose from um which like you know it, it's a little it's a little thin um in the sense yeah. of like you know only only Lutuli and Gusano is <laughs> sort of really established like I said Tuatelli is being held out Ale is a you know convert Bondus is like when is this going to happen you know and so it's sort of like there's enough question marks here that I'd be a little worried but like I think it's fine like I, yeah I sort of, that's kind of how I'm doing going at it too especially because um yeah, yeah, that's how I'm going about it too. I think I am the the, the guys who were the two true freshmen last year, which is Peopa and uh, Tunupi, mm-hmm. are. I mean, the fact that they were even like a little bit noticeable as true freshmen gives me a little bit of hope that I mean, a you don't really want to be playing into your defensive lineman as true freshman, but if you do and they don't get totally pushed around and or injured, um, that does it gives me a little bit more confidence. But generally speaking, I think I agree with you that it's like fine not great but not uh not like you're not not freaking out about it yeah, um, it's a, I th- it's a I smoldering think, fire you want to keep an eye on it yeah <laughs> yeah and i think i think the fact also that um they are you know they're 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 a one gap defense now for the the defensive linemen i think also just takes a lot of pressure off them mm-hmm. <laughs> as far as i mean other other the only it, yeah. it was it's just you know it's it's so hard to like the physical demands of playing a two gap defense and then the mental and, and like quickness demands on the running backs behind them in those scenarios are just like, it's a recipe for when things go wrong for them to really go wrong. Um, although I really, just for my own entertainment value, I really want MJ Ole to like actually become a, like, like show up a lot because he is bigger than Vita Vea. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's, he's he's real big. I mean, he's like so defensive big. linemen tend to need to be a little bit smaller, you know, like because yeah. they're you know they're 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 not just stopping something; they're actively penetrating. And yeah, I, I I'd like to see him slim down a little bit. I, it's just one of those things that we're just gonna like. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, that. no, but especially with his background, because he was like an Australian. He's Australian. He mm-hmm. he moved to the he moved to Washington. Uh, I think when he was like fifteen, and he was a before then he was a a national champion in boxing. 
And I'm like, when you look at like just what a monster he is and his athletic background, I'm like, oh my God, you should have been on defensive line this whole time. Like, like that's just such a, such an insane background to, to bring there, you know, that uh, I, 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 just for my own, like entertainment value, I'm like, please God, give me Ale being awesome. You know, I'm not like putting a lot of money on it, but (laughs) All right. For the edge, um, I mean, I think we know what we got here, right? You know, they're uh, uh, Braylon Trice, Jeremiah Martin, uh, uh, Zion Tupola Fatui, and Maurice Himes uh, are all returning. Himes didn't uh, play that much last year, but like he was, he, he he's a redshirt freshman. We were seeing him in the spring game. He looks as capable as the other three um, for what this defense is asking of the edge. Um, I think those are the four returners of significance. Uh, the, the last one is Savelle Smalls, who I think is a bust and he's never going to play. What do you think about that take? <laughs> I mean, he's, yeah, he hasn't made a, a huge impact, but that is a. <laughs> I don't think he's useful in the structure of this defense. Like, I think he's going to transfer out because he's too small to play an edge in this defense. Sure. He, he, I will say he is, um, he, I mean, he isn't a, big guy for that edge although honestly like he's not that much smaller than ztf i think he's like one inch smaller and 20 pounds bigger um i will agree with you yeah that he he is he doesn't necessarily have the length that you that you know you look for in like superstar kind of those like diamond freaks that you get on the edge um and murray Himes was never going to play last year he Oh yeah, he was a true freshman. Um, well, he was a true freshman from Germany who had only been playing football for like two years and had only played, he had only played like high school football in the U.S. for a year. I, um, I, but well, he's, knowing he's, that, I think it was pretty impressive what he did in the spring game. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, he's like one of those um, prototypical like at, like athletic freaks that you're like we don't know if they can play football. But we know that, or not even we don't, you know, they're just, when you, when you look at guys on the edge, like those are guys who sometimes you're like, you just take those players who are like long, long limbed, twitchy freaks. And then you're like, all right, let's see if we can shape you up into that. Um, Obviously, you know, that's, we don't really need to talk about him because he probably won't be playing that much this year either. Um, You don't don't think that Himes is going to play that much? Oh, I mean, he might, but I'm not. I, I gonna, think you like... need. Well, l- l- I'm sorry. Let me let me phrase the question this way. I, I think you need a four man rotation at this position. I, I don't think that Smalls is going to be in it, except for on like passing downs and like certain packages. And as far as I can tell, the rest of the room are are four walk ons. Um, uh, the the Juka who just came in, who's unrated, uh, Sakai Afua Asau, and um, Lance Holclaw, the uh, the the true, yeah, freshman, true freshman, but he doesn't arrive until the fall. Like, there's. I, I don't think there's enough dude in the room to not play Himes. So I was assuming that he would. Do you think I'm uh, wrong about that? I mean, maybe. I don't... You, yeah, I suppose I suppose you're right that he... I mean, I'm sure he will see some snaps. Um, but I don't think... I mean, getting a, a redshirt freshman from given his circumstances, like, I think Smalls... I think it's far more likely you see a rotation of, like, Martin and ZTF and then Trice and Smalls. Um, I think if you're looking for someone who's like going to kind of break out, you know, lowercase B, I think it's probably tries. Um, but yeah, I, you want to, you want to put down a marker who has more tackles at the end of the 2022 season, Smalls or Himes? Uh, yeah, I think Smalls. 
Hmm. I'll take Himes. I think you're right that I think Maurice Himes is far more prototypical of a edge a rusher, especially in this defense, and that like he might end up like he might end up having a more successful career, you know, at his peak. But I don't I think looking at just the circumstances of how he got here, I think that is pretty much I would I think it's an educated estimation to say that's that would be premature. If he does do that, though, I will be freaking thrilled because that would rule. <laughs> uh, I think we just mean the small bust. Let's talk about the inside linebackers. Um, no, I meant I meant like if he like legit does break out this year, not like just if he mm. plays at all. Obviously, <laughs> I'm not talking about yeah. If you see, that's that's why uh, we were doing yeah. No, never mind. Uh, let's talk about the inside linebackers. Uh, at F1, Olafoshio was held out of the spring game, I, and I think we'll miss some of the yeah, beginning miss, of the season. I think probably about half the season. Okay. Well, maybe not half. No, probably not half the season, but but the beginning. Um, I don't think we know exactly yet. Um, uh, Carson Bruner uh, came on last year. Um, uh, they also return uh, Daniel Haimuli, um, Alfonso Tupatala. Um, I was seeing a little bit of Drew Fowler uh, in the spring game. Um, I, I think, and then the interesting thing was they brought in two uh, new guys. They brought in the transfer uh, player from Pitt, uh, Cam Bright, um, definitely mm-hmm. the most important Pitt transfer to the Pac-12 this year, um, and the Juco, uh, Demario <laughs> King. Uh, and uh, Chris Mull, but he's not with or Chris Mull. Oh, he is on the he is with the team now. Yeah, I did want to. I was curious about that because I I, I couldn't figure out whether or not he was a a, a, a star safety slash hybrid linebacker. Like I I, I would have I pulled up some UAB tape just to watch that guy, and I was like, oh, this guy's going to come play Husky, but he's not. I, I no, he's an ins- he's a inside linebacker. He um, All right. yeah, so he was a all conference for like three years at UAB, but he's he he um was you know he's small and uh um and then i think I so think, you've got him in the inside linebacker room for yeah Washington. yeah 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 oh definitely okay. um right. you know i don't know things can change in like fall camp but i don't think that's so that's interesting it. the uh, they so they lose uh, Jackson Sermon, Cooper McDonald, Ryan Bowman, um, MJ Tafisi, and both of the law. Well, twos. Ryan Bowman was a was a outside linebacker, and yeah, you're you're right. Uh, I I should have and he um. I, I Wait, think is the my way that... timing way off last. Oh my god! I for, oh I forgot. Yeah, he my my sense of time is so weird. I was like, wait, Ryan Bowman left two years ago. Yeah, no, no but then he got injured. You know, last and last year was really like a sad. dream, right? Like we were, we were when we were talking to Alicia about USC. It was like so much of like the, you know, if you have a four and eight season, I can tell you this from from Oregon's twenty sixteen. It's like it's a dream, you know. It's yeah, like, it did that really happen? Like it can't be real. We can't yeah. have beaten Ohio State and lost to Stanford. That's not wow. something that happens. In the yeah, right that is world. that is. That might be worse than losing to Montana. Um, <laughs> I hmm, that's an interesting proposition. I don't think about that. Um, I, I don't really. You're right. The Bowman was an outside linebacker. I'm actually not exactly sure where he would have fit if he somehow had more eligibility. But who cares? He's not oh, on this team. He he he. Yeah, he was on his like what sixth year. Yeah, I know, and uh, no, there's there's no. Yeah, he definitely. I mean, you're right. He definitely like schematically would have been a weird kind of outlier in this maybe you could put him at like three tech ish i don't know um, um it's 
it's a lot of tackles lost between Sermon McDonald and Tafisi. Um, but I ultimately don't really think it's a big deal. I think mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, I think that Bruner and Haimuli and when you get Ulufushio back, uh, you know, in Tupatala, I think those guys are all fine. Um, I, I think that, you know, I'm looking forward to see Bright and King and I guess uh, uh, Mole. Yeah, um, you're. I think you're going to see Mole more than King. I mean, I can't do that. If you had to fill out a two deep, you know, right now, how would you do it? Um, are we saying like at the beginning? Assume, before, uh, before I'm sorry. If you had to project who it's going to be for the opener in September, yeah. Who, okay, who so no Ulafoshio, probably Carson Bruner, and I would guess, um, I'd guess Carson Bruner and Cambright. Really? Yeah, I think that's, and then probably behind them, um, behind them, I would probably say Mole and Tibutala, probably, although. There is, yeah, yeah. I w- I would say probably that. Although I think Haimuli, Haimuli, I'll keep an eye on um, during fall. Haimuli is another guy who I'm like, I really want you to break out because I like you a lot. Well, he's the only four star in the room. I mean, that's sort of the, you know, that's been the Bob Gregory effect. It's yeah, the Brent Pease of defense. Yeah, right. But it's, even worse, you know. Not not only did I not think that this guy was developing, you know, linebackers very well, and the structure of the defense like demanded a lot out of them, and then they, it wasn't there. But like the the recruitment, you know, every every single guy that we've talked about is a low to mid three star, with the exception of Hamuli. You know, you know, Bruner was a point eight five, Tupatala is point eight five. You know, Ulufushu famously was a walk on. Um, Bright and King, you know, were low three stars. Uh, uh, Mole was a two star. You know, like we're not talking about dudes who on paper, you know or are real killers except for Hamuli and like Hamuli is one of those guys where it's like I'd like to see it you know mm-hmm. yeah 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 and I, I think um well here I'll let you ask a question and then I'll answer it so that no go ahead you probably were going to answer the question I was about to ask oh just that I think I think more than anything I think the linebackers I mean first off it would be hard to look worse than they've looked the last there you since go ben Berger, <laughs> but also we, we just are on the same wavelength yeah, but then also, like I've mentioned before, like the schematics of this, A, having a coach who is not Bob Gregory, mm-hmm. that's a good start for development and learn, teaching, you know, learning how to like read a play. Um, secondly, just the scheme that they're doing itself, like that takes off, like what I've said, I've already said it, like it just, it makes their reads so much less um it just makes it simpler and it makes it so that like so much of Sir, I mean, Sermon was, you know, he was slow and slow to read and stuff. Um, and, and that was an issue with most of our players, but I mean, that was exacerbated pretty big time by the fact that he, you know, he was always like two steps too slow. Mm-hmm. And like, it was like one of those steps was him just being slow to read and react. And then you add the other step and it's like, because, <laughs> you know because of the how you know the scheme and, and and the and the possibilities of you know your coverage area um so i'm I, I mean a it was really great that carson bruner started coming on you know the second half of last year just period and um to, to be able to to do that in that whole scenario i mean the 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 you know the old defense relied on those big two gap guys and then like speed at linebacker and if you didn't have a you know um, defensive interior lineman who could reliably do that job, then it made the job harder on the linebackers. And if you didn't have linebackers who were fast enough, like Ben Berkerman could do what he did because he was, you know, he was small, but he was real quick and all that. Um, but then when you, when you, you know, when you didn't have that linebacker speed, it's like, okay, well, 
Bye. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, Angel's defense has an interesting position called the Husky, which actually is not named after the Washington Huskies. It comes from a long ago system. But anyway, um, it was interesting watching the Washington spring game because these guys were much more um, safety-y than when they were the Huskies at Fresno, who um, were much more linebacker-y. And I think that's probably because they just took the two Huskies, uh, Dominique Campton and Cameron Fudikilanen, from the DB Corps. Um, were you sort of seeing the same thing? Uh, just as far as the kind of it, it really just sort of playing. looked like a nickel defense to me, you know, like the, it's the, it's pretty much a nickel, but instead of um in, instead of having that guy be like a traditional nickelback, it is much it's much more of like uh I, I almost want to say like box safety. Like it, it, it's just it I think it's better to think of it as instead of like a safety corner um uh, com- combination it's like a combination of a you know safety linebacker um which is i i really hope that works out for dom hampton because he is a guy who he would do stuff that you're like oh yeah like his, his physicality and 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 so much of how he plays the game could at times be like you know really fantastic and then <laughs> but then you know he just didn't have it all together to be playing in those kind of either whether it's on an island or in in safety in in coverage and those same uh, assignments that you know they had in the old in the old defense um but he is such an asset as a as an athlete that um i think it was again i mentioned him i think now three times i th- believe it was coach b in one of our articles that was like if football is about getting 11 of your best players on the field then changing that position um to the Husky kind of safety linebacker combo yep. is a good step towards taking that. I, I, I read that article and uh, I thought it was a, a decent overview of, you know, in just defense. I was a little disappointed that it didn't cover the massive structural weakness in it that every Mountain West team exploited, which was uh, when they go to man coverage that they had no way of covering running quarterbacks. In fact, multiple Mountain West uh, teams changed their quarterback for the game against Fresno and would run all over them. And the reason is because structurally when they do that, the Husky takes that responsibility in the way that they load to the side of the field field, the quarterback is frequently just running away from the Husky. But if you have a very fast athlete in the position who can get across the field and get to the quarterback, then that's sort of a problem solved. And and I would not have a difficult time believing that guys who are as fast as Hampton and Fabiculon could pull that off. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of down with it because those guys look real quick. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think you bring up good points. And I think that's definitely something I'll be looking at for this season um um but yeah i i I, those are two guys especially hampton but also fabiculon for what it's worth who i am just yeah who i'm just excited to see them get have an opportunity that i think suits them a little bit better uh let's talk about the traditional safeties um uh well losing brandon radley hiles who was the nickel um uh, but I don't think they're losing anybody else in the safety core. Um, in safeties. Yeah, I, I want to talk about the cornerbacks in a second. No, yeah, yeah, because no. I think they're returning both Alex Cook and Asa Turner and Cam Williams and Jerry Irvin. Right? Yeah, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, um, I didn't think about that for a sec. I think the four that I just listed are your rotation at boundary and free safety. Um, or do you think sure? I'm yeah, so Alex Cook and Asa Turner have been running kind of as the de facto ones. 
Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the other, yeah, sorry. Um, and, and honestly, I, I think that'll be really interesting because just to watch, especially Asa Turner, who has been kind of the, uh, he's been kind of he's kind like, of been the scapegoat. He's but... been, yeah, he's, but people have been annoyed at him, um, the last two years. Um, and Alex Cook, you know, was a converted receiver who, but that was like years ago. He's been a safety for years now. And, um, I think it'll just be interesting to see what they can like, what they can do in a new scheme where they're not like thrown, you know, like I said, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. Um, and, and for, yeah, I think I'm just kind of approaching safety personally as a fan as like, just, I'm just very interested to see how it shakes out and what that tells us about their roles in, in the, you know, in the old, in the old defense. It's, um, it's I probably think, the best like natural experiment on the team because yeah, like exactly, there's no yeah. change here to the personnel and it's just going to be like, okay, you know, the, you are inheriting, you know, Pete Kwiatkowski slash Jimmy Lake DBs. You know, it's a, we know who the rotation is going to be. Let's see if you can coach them, you know, Mountain West staff. Like, yeah, exactly. it'll be interesting. Yeah, exactly. I, and I, I think that's a really good way of putting it. Um, I, yeah, I, I think I, I would like to see, well, actually, you know, when I think about it, sure, there are guys that you, that I'd like to see just based on their, their, you know, pedigree and talent level but but there isn't necessarily one guy who i'm like i really want this dude to make you know hmm. starting spot necessarily um if i had to pick one no it doesn't matter um hmm. but uh yeah I, I think you're right it's the biggest natural experiment cornerbacks um yes. I, i'm not throwing shade uh, or at least not yet but it is hard to imagine that this unit doesn't take a step back um, i don't think that's shade i think that's uh, just <laughs> Well, I'm going to throw some shade later, but losing okay. Trent McDuff sure. and Kyler McGordon, you know, like first round uh, talents. Um, and then Jacob Covington also uh, transferred. Uh, he's going to USC. Um, uh, but here's the here's the crazy thing is it, it looks to me like they're replacing them with uh, unrated or, you know, walk on guys. Jordan Perryman um, from the FCS and uh, Michelle Powell, who I, th- who I think is a walk on well, like a low three star, but he walked onto the team. Yeah, um, Michelle Powell was he was kind of a similar scenario to miles bryant not he wasn't it wasn't quite as insane like miles bryant was legitimately getting recruited by like ucla uw and i want to say like utah and some other and then he like waited too long to commit and so Mm -hmm. so it's not like that level but michelle powell was kind of a similar similar scenario where he he i don't he was being recruited by a couple like couple um uh couple schools that were like you know respectable and and then ended up uh ended up a um a preferred walk on it at UW um and but the way that the way that he has been talked about by the the um secondary core like the players and the coaches and this isn't just now this has been for what is he a redshirt sophomore now yeah um he came in 2019 so yes this has been for a couple years that they've kind of compared him to to miles bryant obviously you know if they're obviously you know i'm not i'm not saying like oh well, we had miles bryant so therefore we can throw out another another uh original or former walk-on and it'll be all great but um i th- i think i mean you know all things considered if you're throwing a preferred walk-on out there this is probably one of the better scenarios you're gonna get um he there were certainly times last year when he played where he you know got i didn't get 
burn necessarily, but yeah, like lost battles with receivers as it happens when you're a redshirt freshman, you know? <laughs> um, um, and so he wasn't there there. He had weaknesses last year, but it wasn't like, you know, when you see guys who like, they keep getting, they keep getting, they keep losing battles the same way over and over again, you know, and you're like, you know, whether it's your, it just doesn't matter. You don't need uh, examples. You know what I'm talking about. And yes. those things sort of become these ingrained weaknesses where you're like, okay, I think, I think, I don't know about you. Um, and with him, it wasn't necessarily, it was like, he would do pretty, he would do pretty all right. And then, and then, you know, lose, a, lose a few battles, do pretty all right, lose a few battles, but it wasn't necessarily like one single weakness, um, which makes me tentatively not like too freaked out. Um, um, you know, not that it's like this super ideal scenario, but, uh, whatever <laughs> um, i mean it's a pretty yeah. not ideal scenario it's losing first round super reliable guys and replacing them with walk-ons and the guys behind them devin banks thanks dyson mccutcheon zakari spears elijah jackson are all redshirt freshmen who didn't play like this is a pretty fucking far from ideal yeah no oh no and yeah i'm not saying that like there isn't a drop like gonna be a drop-off like i'm very well aware um i think I, what the one guy who i would really like to see is um is elijah jackson i i think i think he I was th being held out of the spring game i don't think yeah I that yeah. sounds right i mean there's so many guys held out of like yeah I know. I, you know it doesn't it's just when there's a new staff and, and guys i haven't seen before like I, all sure, i gotta go yeah. on is the spring game so it hurts when, when yeah I, totally you know. no i am um, yeah totally um but uh, overall though he's he's a guy who i would really like to see because he um i you know he was one of the guys who I was responsible for, for, um, you know, watching his film and doing his commitment and all that, blah, blah, blah. And right. he was your adopted crew. He was my adopted crew. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I think it was like him and Mikel Estine. I don't remember that year exactly who I did, mm. but, um, but he, he has some very interesting, um, abilities and, and, and I actually, sometimes I get him and Mikel Estine confused because they went to the same school and I did them both <laughs> next time. I bet. But either way, uh, he, 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 he's, he's shown flashes that are very intriguing and I would really like to see it. I, I know what you mean that because there's a new staff, you know, they haven't necessarily maybe haven't gotten a chance to see him. Like, you know, if they had seen him more, he might have a leg up that he doesn't now. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up kind of being a, a dude worth watching next year whether and, you know not necessarily a starter but if he rotates in some it's remarkable how much you know uh washington's net uh or average talent rating as a whole has um has fallen fairly considerably over the last two years sure yeah definitely uh, and and like, if you want to drill down, you know, basically uh, here's what it, what it works out over the last two cycles. So comparing like the 2020 roster to the 2022 roster, they, it's a net loss of 13, four stars. Um, oh yeah. No, I, yeah. Everyone, well, that's something that, yeah, everybody knows. And is that yeah, was part of the issue with Jimmy Lake was, but like, but like drilling down, it's, it, it's, it's the defense much more than the offense where it's, you know, one, one guy in and, and 11 guys out. Um, and it's the DBs more than anything else where they've, you know, yeah. the, the, the losses in the DB core, um, over the last two cycles are, 
I mean, they're kind of staggering, right? Like uh, it's, you know, like we said, for, for this cycle, it was Kyler Gordon, Trent McGuffey, Jacob Covington. Last cycle, it was you know, Elijah Molden, Keith Taylor, Brandon McKinney. And I mean, McKinney went to Utah and won a Pac-12 championship. You know, uh, Covington's going to USC, he thinks he's going to win a championship. I kind of have my doubts about that, but like, uh, oh, interesting. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it, it's six guys out it's zero guys in and it, you know if you told me that in june of 2020 that jimmy lake was taking over this program and but over the next two years it's going to be zero blue chips into this room um you could have knocked me over with a feather you know like that was the dude's calling card you know like it, it it's it's a remarkable situation i think that it's sort of I think the Pac-12 fans might need to reset their expectations for what they see from Washington's DB core going forward. Do you think I'm wrong about that? Uh, no, I don't think you're wrong. Like, I think everybody expects that, like, A, th- yeah, I think everybody expects that that this uh, secondary, or at least the corners, I should say, not necessarily the safeties, that the, sec- the, the cornerbacks are, like, obviously going to not, like, play it i mean a first off that we what we've come to what we've become accustomed to is like all generally speaking other than you know some instances more often than not pretty much dominance and so obviously Mm -hmm. a you're gonna (laughs) like of course you're gonna step back and of course because everyone is well aware of how much jimmy like screwed recruiting when he became a head coach that that yeah you don't have that like you know four layer four tiers of four stars waiting up behind you know your guys who just got drafted um no i don't yeah i think everybody um expects the um expects that to take a step back like like in a four and eight season you know washington was still the number one passing defense in the country yeah but so much of that so i mean a obviously of course the personnel and everything was really good and the cornerbacks are really good but so much of that was because other offenses were like okay well we can just run for 250 yards that like we're true. not gonna like that's so much of that is circumstantial and that's why um and that's not me being like so our so our defensive uh so our defensive backs won't drop off at all that's me being like just n- noting how like the context and literacy of how of stats and how much they matter that of course we did have you know we would have had a really good uh, uh, passing defense, even if they did pass more, but so much of that was just based off of how much our running defense was dog shit. Sure, no, I, I totally agree with you. I just mean in terms of like fan expectations, both like you know Washington and sort of wider Pac-12 fans. I, I sort of think they've sort of been it. They've been so good for so long that I think that people just sort of it, it you know Take like it, it was granted. difficult for people to uh, wrap their heads around the fact that Stanford doesn't have a run game anymore. Like they were like like fans took like two years to make that realization after it was actually you know, apparent if you actually watch them, I feel like the same thing is going to be true for the expectation of Washington's past defense that like people, you know, because like I said, they just have a four and eight season in which they had the number one passing defense and it's sort of like, Oh yeah, it'll just automatically. Cause they're wearing purple, you know, it's like, you know, it, sure. la- laundry's not defending passes. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one. Um, yeah, I think, um, I, I think, I think, I think it's mostly, um, I think that's going to be more of a shock for other fans of other teams, honestly. Yeah. I mean, sure, there's mm-hmm. plenty. I'm sure there's plenty of, like, you know, the football fans that don't, you know, that are Washington fans that don't follow it as much anyway. But <laughs> And they mm-hmm. might – but, like, anybody who knows anything is is going to 
agree with you on that. It'll take commentators like two years. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like gonna take like people who are football fans are gonna be like, oh well, they're always. But anyone who knows Washington, any Washington fans who know anything, are like, yeah, of course we're we just lost Trent Gordon, Trent Gordon, Trent McDuffie, and Kyler Gordon, and are in a new scheme that's like without like our best defensive backs coach of all time because because of the uh what's the the peter principle because he got promoted until uh you know he got promoted to a place where he wasn't good enough for um so yeah um so uh, gaby we've taken up so much of your time especially since we are a rifle podcast so we thank you but we got one more question here and that is well Looking at this 2022 schedule, you don't got to go too into it, of course. Uh, it's really just a guess. You miss, first of all, out of all the other, the Pac-12 South, this has got to be the the best Pac-12 schedule Like for the team. You're missing USC and Utah. Pretty damn have, good. Yeah, I haven't even looked at the schedule in like nine uh, months. The schedule's real soft. Yeah, no. So then we got, um, so at a conference, you got Kent State starting it off, then Portland State. I mean, Wazoo's had some trouble with them, so you got to watch out. No, and then, there's no uh, way that Mich- Washington loses to an FCF. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> and then uh, Michigan State the week after that. And then uh, you play every Pac-12 team except for USC or Utah. And then on the road, you're at UCLA, at Arizona State, at California, at Oregon, and then at Wazoo. So I know it, it doesn't mean anything, but if you, if you nail it, you'll sound like a genius. So how many wins do you think this 2022 Washington team will get? Um, okay. I'm just going to throw in one. I think the, the, the floor is probably six and six. Um, I'll go with. I'll go with. This is the issue. It feels very homerish to say anything more than like seven wins based on how much of a turnaround that would be. But like so much of like the personnel that what why that four and eight season was so crazy and like stood out so much is because of how insane it was to take that personnel and then just ground it into sand. And, so, I mean, I'll say, and it's still the third most talented, like even with the, the, exactly. the average talent drop off, it dropped to from third to third because exactly. the rest of this conference doesn't have any talent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked at all if they went eight and four, like even a little bit. I think, I think I'll probably say, I'll say seven and five um, because I don't want to be, you know, whatever. I think seven and five this year. And from there, I think it'll, 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 uh, you know, move on and hopefully get a bit better. It but feels honestly, like about seven huh? from the talent, and but the schedule is so soft. I think and it, the schedule I think, exactly. I'm I looking think at it. I'm actually like, pretty win, reasonable with such a soft schedule. Win, yeah, like they could win. They could win nine, and I wouldn't be shocked. Like I, I don't think it's super likely. Um, I but I'm so I'm just gonna go with seven or maybe eight. <laughs> but and I'm sure someone's gonna be like that's Homer talk. But like. <laughs> Again, right. like what you just said, when you look at the personnel and you look at even having a bait, even like a vaguely competent, um, like schematic uh, uh, standpoint, like schematic coaching staff, like you, you really have to, you have to work harder to do what Jimmy Lake did last year as far as on field results than you would to get like six, six, seven, five, <laughs> seven wins back to the Sarkeesian area. Yes, yeah, that's all I've ever wanted. <laughs> well uh thanks so much once again you're you are absolutely one of our favorite guests uh on twitter at gaby not gabby g-a-b-e-y-n-o-t-g-a-b-b-y and you can also please go to uh i mean 
if you're Huskies fans listening to this, then you already should know you got to go to the dog pound, the UW dog pound over on SB Nation, where the you can only find the same site to discuss Washington Huskies football on the entire internet. Absolutely. It's yeah, not hyperbole. I'm literally <laughs> what I just said is true. <laughs> and you can find them on Twitter at U-W-O-N-S-B-N. U-W on S-B-N. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, Hithliday, thanks for uh, gabbing and everything. This is our final. Ro- no, this is not our no, final. No, we probably final or we we save this for last though because because we know the hate really bumps the numbers up yeah i mean i really just like you guys as people (laughs) yeah exactly i I, I hate washington too but like they they at least they post their roster in a timely manner unlike ucla 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 doesn't have their roster out with them no they don't they take months to post theirs what what do they have instead 2021's roster and the 2022 recruits Okay, that's insane. It's super unprofessional. Yeah, it is. But unlike the University of Washington, where they have so much academic prowess that they know right what the schedule is going to be immediately. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, thanks again for hopping on. Uh, we'll, we'll talk to you again sometime. I'm sure if we can wrangle you back in here. And um, go, us, go, oh, do it. Go, go, us.